0: The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. While these homilies are the same in content as those preached, they have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Mary set out, and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting the infant leaped in her womb and Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit cried out in a loud voice and said blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb and how does this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. The Gospel of the Lord. As I looked over today's gospel in anticipation of Christmas, just a few days away, it occurred to me that this is a great time, Advent, to draw closer not only to Jesus in anticipation of his birth, but to Mary, our Blessed Mother. So I have a few thoughts reflecting on our relationship with Mary. The first is that the Immaculate Conception, which we celebrated just 15 days ago, was the beginning of the time frame for the incarnation of our Savior, of our personal salvation story. But it was not really, as I used to think, the Annunciation that began the story, or even the birth of Mary, but actually the Immaculate Conception of Mary, spotless, without sin in the womb of her mother. It was at that moment when God brought her into being, at that very first moment of her conception spotless and pure, the perfect vessel to receive Jesus as he entered into humanity to come be with us here on earth. It was that moment that started the timeline, to the solemnity of the Nativity, the birth of the Savior that we celebrate next Tuesday. So it is really appropriate that we celebrate the Immaculate Conception on December 8th, which occurs most often, although not always, in the first week of Advent. Because just as that moment in history was the very beginning of the Incarnation story of Jesus, so does it give us a chance during that first week of Advent to ramp up our expectation, our anticipation of that Incarnation, to get excited about the fact that we are looking forward to celebrating the time when Jesus became man, came into our world, put himself in position to have a personal relationship with us, and change our lives and our futures forever. The second point is that the visitation, the story we read in the gospel today, really illustrates like nothing else I can think of, biblically or otherwise, the truth about when human life begins. It says in the scripture leading up to this reading that Elizabeth, who had been unable to have children during her childbearing years, had now, in her old age, in spite of her advanced years, through normal relations with Zechariah, her husband, miraculously conceived a child, John the Baptist, and that she was in her sixth month when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and decreed that she was to be the mother of Jesus. The next verse says that Mary rose and in great haste went to visit Elizabeth. Now Mary lived in Nazareth, and Elizabeth somewhere in the hill country of Judah that's not clearly defined. And given the mileage and the ability to go so far in a given day, it would have taken roughly four or five days, either walking or maybe as part of a caravan, for Mary to get from where Mary was in Nazareth to where Elizabeth was in the hill country of Judah. So this meeting took place certainly in the very first weeks of Mary's pregnancy, but quite possibly in the first week of Mary's pregnancy. And so what do we hear at this meeting? We hear that Mary comes in and Elizabeth has this great reaction. Well, not just Elizabeth, but also John the Baptist that she is carrying in her womb six months along. That upon hearing Mary's voice and recognizing Mary as the carrier of Jesus, the Lord and Savior, that John the baby leaps in her womb. And then Elizabeth, inspired by the Holy Spirit, makes this declaration about how blessed Mary is, the mother of my Lord, and how blessed is the fruit of her womb. No questions, no ifs or buts about whether Jesus is present there in that short time after his conception. So it is a great reference for us to keep in mind as we engage in the ongoing battle of right to life and speaking the truth about when life begins, to know that there is biblical precedent for the fact that life begins at the earliest moments of pregnancy. And we should always treat that life with reverence and respect. Third point is that we as Catholics should always be super comfortable with our relationship with Mary. I think there's an argument to be made that the Scripture most often spoken by practicing Catholics isn't the Our Father. It isn't John 3.16. It is the verses in Luke chapter 1, verses 28 and 42. Does anybody know what they are? We say them all the time. We repeat them 50 times in a row. Verse 28 Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And then, verse 42 Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. The first half of the Hail Mary, our go to prayer for Mary, is straight from the Bible. The rest of that prayer is simply recognizing Mary as the Holy Mother of Jesus, who is God, and asking her to pray for us. I say this because I grew up with a number of good friends that were faithful Christians, but not Catholics, and they always kind of wondered about this Mary thing that we had going on. They didn't seem to quite understand that role Mary had as intercessor, and they also thought that we didn't read or quote Scripture as much as we should. I wasn't as good as explaining our faith then as I am now, but I often wished that I had known enough to say, you know, most often when I pray to Mary, I am quoting some favorite Bible verses, Luke 1, 28 and 42, which is the first half of our prayer to Mary. It might have helped them to better understand what we were doing and helped me to better claim that relationship with Mary that has such a great value for all of us. I mean, quoting scripture and asking people to pray for you, what is more universally Christian than that? Fourth point. Just having had my fifth, well, I didn't have him, my daughter just had my fifth grandchild. It was her third and my son has two. The newest is little Peter Colby, as in Maximilian Colby. As I read this scripture, I thought about when moms are carrying a child and then after their children are first born. We take a lot of measurements. We do sonograms before the baby is born and they measure the head and the arms and the legs and They take pictures that are so detailed that you can tell who the baby looks like three months before it's born. And after they're born, they take measurements at every checkup and they come up with percentile rankings as to how the kids compare in things like height and weight to all the others in the system or the national average or something. You will hear things like, oh he's in the 60th percentile in height and she's in the 50th percentile in weight and things like that. We keep track of a lot of things with these babies, to see how they are doing, and how they are coming along. As I looked at this Gospel, I couldn't help but think regarding John in Elizabeth's womb and Jesus in Mary's womb. I don't know where they were regarding the stats on height and weight. But if there was a statistical measurement for spiritual development, they would have been right at the top, right? I mean, John the Baptist foretold by the angel Gabriel to be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb had to be like in the 110 spiritual percentile. And well, you know where Jesus was compared to John, he had to be off the charts. It just gave me pause to think as I thought about that. We pay a lot of attention to how our kids develop physically, their mental acuity, and all kinds of things. But there really is nothing more important than how they are developing spiritually. We don't really have a system of measurements or a scientific algorithm or a trained professional to measure how they are coming along on the spiritual side, how they are developing in their relationship with God. But that is really the most vital thing in their lives. It is not how tall they are or how much they weigh. It's really how well they are coming to know God as loving Father and Jesus Christ as Savior. Because when all is said and done, Their height and weight are going to go away, but their souls are going to live forever. So, the challenge for us as parents, godparents, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, and friends, especially at this time of Christmas, amidst this huge vortex of commercialism, is to make the center of what we are doing about the birth of the Savior. It is a critically important time for us to take every opportunity to convey to our children and to one another the true meaning of Christmas and the relationship God is seeking to have with them and with us. Lastly, this is a time of Christmas pageants and plays in which most often children and sometimes adults act out characters in the Christmas story. So I wondered if we had the option to choose who we would want to be in that story. Maybe we would want to be Zechariah, the one who got the good news about his son-to-be but doubted and lost his voice because of his doubt. Maybe we are a person who has heard the word, we believe the basics, we go to church, pray from time to time, but when God wants to get up close and personal, wants to change our lives wants to fulfill the promises of our baptism and confirmation, we doubt, we turn away, we question, and as a result, we remain silent about the whole issue. Take a pass when our turn comes to proclaim, defend, or share our faith. Or perhaps we would like to play Elizabeth. We would like to have God answer a prayer and help us overcome an area of struggle in our lives. We want to get excited, thrilled at the visit of our Lord. If we are unsure, may I suggest we take on the part of the angel Gabriel, announce by our words and actions what we know to be true, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that he is great and is the Son of the Most High, and his kingdom will have no end. He is the Son of God, and nothing is impossible for God. Either way, over the next two days, we should work to make a change in the lives of those we touch. We should hold them, love them, speak to them words of reconciliation, forgiveness, respect, and appreciation. We should strive with every fiber of our being to be Jesus, come to them. To come to them just as Mary brought Jesus to Elizabeth. With the Jesus that is in us. The Jesus that comes to us in this Eucharist. Send questions or comments regarding this podcast to DeaconJoe2017 at gmail.com